You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Ajipunja wakikuna panikuna, Dios bendushiashun. Cuidaba ritemtemi, Cristo megale. Buenos dias, hermanos. Que Dios le bendiga. Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's good to be with you, and may God bless you. Not really trying to show off. Those are the only phrases I know in those different languages. Uh, the first one was Quechua of the lowlands from the uh, Peru. And uh, the second one was Raramuri, which is a language spoken just south of our border in the state of Chihuahua uh, in Mexico. The last third one was Spanish, which probably many of you recognize. And the last one, just in case you didn't catch it, it was in English, um, just to make sure you were paying attention. My name's Scott Mesher, and I know several of you from life here in Salado. My family and I have lived here for uh, about eight years, uh, a little over eight years now, and uh, appreciate the opportunity and the invitation from uh, Jason to get to come and share with you today, uh, to share with you from God's Word, and also to share with you a little bit about the ministry that God has brought me into in the last few years, uh, or in this last year and a half or so. Um, but I serve with an international missions organization called Reaching and Teaching International Ministries, and it is a lot of fun what I get to do. Uh, I learned to speak Spanish when I was a little child sitting in a second, third grade class, and they came and selected a handful of us and started teaching us basic vocabulary. By the time I went to college, I was able to speak some, and just through the different opportunities that God set before me, was able to develop that language as a, uh, to gain my fluency in, in that language. Um, it's done a lot of variety of different ministries. Some of you know me from First Baptist, from my time of serving there in the last uh, few years. Uh, served there for seven years, as Daniel mentioned. Appreciated that. Um, about a year, a year and a half ago, God really stirred my heart, and I really put myself in front of Him and said, "Okay, God, you've given me different gifts, and you've only given me so much time on the face of the earth. What can I do to really serve you with what I have?" Uh, and the years that, that you've given me here, to uh, whatever I have left, I want to give it to you. And uh, I went on a trip with an organization called Reaching and Teaching International Ministries. We went to a very remote location in the Andes Mountains uh, in, named Tombo, Ecuador. And I'm going to introduce you to a pastor I met there in a little bit. Uh, went there uh, and had an opportunity to provide theological training for pastors uh, who came from a wide distance into this uh, one location there in Tambo, Ecuador, uh, and we were able to walk them through a course on church history in one week. And this was significant because these men did not realize where they fit into the scope of church history, uh, not really being able to think through and never having an opportunity to go to a Bible college or a seminary to prepare to understand that they stand in line with Jesus, the apostles, the church in Acts, all the way through church history and significant figures all the way up to the current day church. And it was exciting to me to watch these men come to grips with the line that they stand in of men who have given their lives for the sake of scriptures, to advance scriptures, for the truth of scriptures, and to realize that they are on that same line uh, uh, of God's plan, living in this location, and they are going back to their communities to continue to teach and preach God's word. Through that experience, God opened my eyes to uh, an opportunity and opened the doors for us to serve with reaching and teaching uh, and we've done that. Corey and I have been a part of that ministry for the last year and a few months. So reaching and teaching exists to reach the peoples of the world through evangelism by meeting the need, uh, by meeting the great need for deep discipleship, pastoral preparation, leadership training, and theological education around the world. 
So in short, as I said, we go into remote places to train pastors and church leaders who are not going to get a chance to go into the big city to get an education that they need to lead in their churches. Um, I have some newsletters in the back. There's a few other things that I've collected in some of my trips. There's a place to sign up for if you want to receive an email. I'm not here to promote myself, but if you want to be, get a bigger picture of things that God's doing around the world, there's an opportunity there for you to be a part uh, and be in, uh, to gain some information, some more information on that. The whole ministry fits into the bigger scope of what God has called us to. We know you may be familiar with the verse, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God has called us, and these are the words of Christ at the end of his earthly life to his disciples. God has called us to be a witness, to, be, to represent him here where we live, and to take him to the next ring out, all the way to the end of the earth. Every time I get to go on one of my teaching trips where we go into a place and spend a week teaching these men and, and encouraging them from God's word, I always realize that these men are going to go further either into the jungle, further up the mountain, further into the desert, further to wherever they're going towards the end of the earth, taking the teaching that we're able to deliver to them. It's encouraging to be a part of that, to see the different age of these men and women that we get to train and equip and realizing that we're doing it not only to advance the kingdom, but to preserve the truth of God's word, to make sure that they're not distorting it or, 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 or adding into it any of their, their ideas that they bring from their traditional background or from other religions that they may have grown up with, but that they're able to guide and lead their churches to preserve the truth of God's word and the teachings within their local churches to the ends of the earth. You may be familiar with the Great Commission and, and the part about go and make disciples, baptizing them, and verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Finishing the job of making sure that what is taught in those churches in those areas is according to God's word and according to his plan. Our goal in doing this is to raise up leaders so that the kingdom would continue to multiply. 2 Timothy 2 is where Paul calls on Timothy. You, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See that what you have heard from me in, my, in this presence of, of these many witnesses that you entrust it also to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Multiplying God's ministry, not only through presenting the gospel, but by teaching them how to share the gospel and to teach according to the gospel in all that they do. I said that we go to remote places. I got a few pictures of some places that we've been. Now, this is in just south of our border in the state of Chihuahua. That's a village there, or a community called Sitanachi. Uh, this is where the Tarumara live. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, if you like to watch National Geographic, or uh, if you ever watch the Travel Channel there in northern Mexico is an area called the Copper Canyons. It's an aspiring tourist place, but you can see from this landscape that it's not the most beautiful part of Mexico. It's rather dry. Um, but these little houses are scattered all across this area uh, that cover several square miles. It's a large area. And that scattering of houses is considered a community in a sort of way. Uh, the large building there in the middle with the smoke coming out of it is the church that was built by some American teams. When I was there in this desert region in these canyon lands of, of northern Mexico, uh, I met a pastor there named Ignacio. I believe the next picture should be the inside of their church. Uh, this is the, the Tarumata folks and uh, these ladies in their indigenous dress. This is what they wear every day. But when we were there, I met, visited with this pastor. And uh, Pastor Ignacio was a man who left this region of Mexico... He went to the border there uh, in Juarez looking for work, as so many do. 
Uh, maybe even looking for an opportunity to come across the border, as so many of us who live in Texas are aware, happens far too often. However, when he got to the border, he discovered something more important than money. All the border ministries that exist along our border of southern Texas, uh, Pastor Ignacio found the gospel. He realized the great value of the gospel, and he realized the huge lack of the gospel in his community. And so he turned around and went back to his community and has led this community in, in, in presenting the gospel there and continues to lead this community uh, in, as, a, as, a church, uh, as the pastor of their church there in this area. But he lacked so much understanding of Scripture. Simple things like explaining well to his church why we participate in the Lord's Supper are difficult because he doesn't have the education. I was with him in November, and in about 10 days I'll be with Pastor Ignacio again. He'll be one of our students at one of our sites that we've started to help train these Tatarmada leaders who are, who are meeting in this area. The next picture is three of these men. Pastor Ignacio is the one there in the middle with the ball cap on. Uh, these three men who are with me in this picture are leaders. And they speak Spanish and they speak Tarumara, or they call it Raramuri, um, which was one of the languages I really tried hard to greet you in earlier. Um, but these uh, guys are key in gathering up other pastors and leaders from this, from this area. And I'll share some more stories with you about these guys in a little bit. So we go to the desert. I've also been to the Amazon in the last year. This is a picture from the small plane that I was riding on when we tried to land in this community. This is in a remote, well, I mean, it's in the middle of the Amazon jungle in Peru. Uh, there on the water where that road goes down to the, to the river uh, is where we landed. In the next picture, you can see the folks coming down to the thing to greet us. I was concerned as we pulled up and the propeller was still spinning and all the folks were flocking down the hill to come greet us. I asked the pilot, how do they know? He said, oh, trust me, they know to stay back. Um, but we coasted in there and were able to do uh, 10 days of training with pastors who came from a variety of areas all along uh, this whole region of the Amazon uh, on what, was the, what is the Pastaza River. See here, the next one is a... This is Jairo. He was a key in helping coordinate all of this, uh, a contact there in, in this part of uh, Peru. But I wanted you to see this building that they use, uh, wherever they have their meetings. This is the church uh, there in Alianza. And you may think, why does it not have walls? Because it was about 95 degrees inside that thing all the afternoon long. For whatever reason, it seemed on that particular week of teaching with these pastors and leaders, it seemed to fall to me each day about 3 o'clock that that was my teaching time. So it was a bit rough to maintain their attention uh, in this group. All of these pastors who came, there was two indigenous groups represented, the Quechua and the Achuar. And so we taught our classes in Spanish through the week, uh, hoping that they would grip, get a hold of it. Each night or each afternoon as we concluded our teaching about 6 o'clock, I noticed that the Achuar group would gather up and disappear at first, it kind of hurt my feelings that they were not very uh, greeting or wanting to talk to us. or uh, They just kind of wandered off. But one of the evenings, as we wandered through the little community where we were staying that week, uh, we found the group of Achuar leaders gathered together in a little group. The younger ones who spoke better Spanish were in the front of the group. The older ones who spoke less Spanish were sitting there with their notes out that they had taken during our teaching. And the younger ones were translating the notes from Spanish into Achuar to make sure that everybody who had come to the training speaking Achuar was going home as best equipped as possible. I realized this tremendous hunger that these men had uh, to learn God's word and to teach it well as they go back to their community. There were about 12 uh, different villages represented in this day of training. 
Some of the people traveling three days in a little canoe thing called a peke peke up and down this river to get there and to get home. All told, we got to work with about 45 groups in this, in this, in this setting. I'll be back there in June. And if things go well, we should have that same group back. And they'll con con continue through the nine modules that we have, uh, completing four and five within about an eight-day period that we'll be with them. It's exciting, and it's so much fun. Reaching and teaching doesn't only do ministry. In South America, we have 21 sites around the world uh, in 10 different countries. Uh, we send teens in one-week teaching trips uh, called modules. Uh, they'll visit a site three times a year for three years. That allows a pastor to go through the normal courses of a seminary education in one-week modules, starting with Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, Christian doctrines, church history, all the material that they would get normally at a, uh, at a, in a, in a seminary-type setting, condensed down into a one-week module that's delivered to them in their location. It's a lot of fun, and I've been a lot of places. I would love to tell you about so many of the interesting things I've been able to eat. My son asks me every time I come home, what'd you eat on this trip? And so I've started taking pictures. And just last week, I was in Chiapas, Mexico on a preview trip. And one of the ladies stared at me really odd as I was taking a picture of everything I ate that, that day. And I finally just explained to her, look, my son is really curious about what I eat on these trips. And so the next morning, we came to breakfast, and she watched and watched and watched. And I didn't take a picture because it was a pretty normal breakfast. And she finally, she asked me halfway through breakfast, aren't you going to take a picture of this one for your son? I thought, how thoughtful of her. So I snapped a quick picture uh, of that extra breakfast for, to, to bring home. But it is a lot of fun. But it's not just about the fun and the excitement of getting to do these things. It's because I realized a long time ago that God began doing small things in my life, preparing me and lining these things up. It's because I realized that when I was in second grade and I got snatched out of that class uh, to go learn Spanish vocabulary, that was the beginning of God's hand of providence over my life, of orchestrating events that were going to lead me this way. It's because when I was in college and I earned some sort of scholarship to spend a summer in Mexico, uh, I had no idea how God would use that. It's as I look back on the years of junior high Spanish and high school Spanish class and, and during the misery of those units on the Incas and the Aztecs and the Mayans and trying to learn all of this material, I never dreamed that I would stand among those people and have the privilege of teaching God's word to them to preserve the truth of his word and to advance his kingdom in their settings. I look back and I realize that it was by God's grace that he did the things that he has done in my life. That's why I want to share with you a little bit from this passage in Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you to Elliot for reading that and sharing it with us. But it's a great passage that reminds us of God's mercy over us. The way that God has shown his mercy to us in saving us and pulling us out of whatever situation we were in and helping us to see our great need of his son, Jesus Christ, and put, allowing us to come into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so often we think of our salvation, we think of coming to know Christ as setting aside the, the death of our trespasses and the, the penalty of our sin and, and all of that stuff is behind us and we've been set free. But when we understand this passage, we realize there's so much more to God's grace than just saving us from our past. We realize that in God's grace, he not only saved us from our past, but he's also prepared us for something in the future. I want to look quickly at verses 8 through 9 where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, God's grace over us, our faith in his work, and our faith in his son Jesus Christ. This is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of your work, so that no one can boast. If there's anything we had done in our salvation, we could celebrate our greatness in it. 
But Paul wants his readers to understand that our salvation is by God's grace, something that he has extended to us. So that when we look back through our life history and realize how all of the things lined up, we recognize his hand of organizing the events that brought us to the point of knowing him. Paul says it's not, that we've done, not what we have done so that we can boast. But then we come to verse 10, which is the verse I really want to highlight today. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this is the part of the verse to me that really awakens us, that should awaken us and has awakened my thinking so many times to why God saved me by his grace. It's exciting to know that God saved me by his grace and because of that salvation extended to me and his grace and his mercy over me, I don't have to spend an eternity separated from him and suffering separated from him. But what about the rest of the plan? Meanwhile, in my life here on the earth, what is my call in life and what am I to do? Verse 10 helps us to capture the picture and connect some of the dots. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's some reason for which God has saved us. He didn't just save us to avoid separation from him. He saved us for some sort of good work that he has prepared for us. And God didn't just save us thinking, oh man, I hope I can get this one to help me out with this project. He saves us for a purpose which was prepared beforehand so that we will walk in them. This passage helps us to realize that each of us has a purpose in our lives, that we are his workmanship. You in this room who have Christ in your life are his workmanship. You have been prepared by God. In verse 10, it would highlight the first portion of that verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God crafted us in a certain sort of way that he wants to use us because of our life in Christ for good works for his purpose. There's something about the way that he has put each of us together and designed each of us individually and uniquely that he desires to use us in Christ for his good works. An example of this I found in a man that I met when I was in the Andes Mountains. This is Felix Dutton. He's a pastor uh, of, the, of a church in Tambo, Ecuador right now. He didn't always know Christ. But in God's grace, he extended the, the message of Christ to this man. He grew up and lived in this town called Tambo. He came to know Christ and realized that Christ was the only hope for his life. And when he put his hands and his life completely in Christ's life, uh, God began to do an incredible work. It awakened in him a, the realization that there are people all around him who are dying without knowing Christ. And so Felix began to commit his life to, to sharing the gospel in the mountain area there in, in, uh, in, in Ecuador. Not only did he begin advancing that gospel, he, he sought to establish a church just up the hill outside of the city for a lot of the folks who live in this rural community. The community resisted his advance of the gospel, uh, given their background, some of them of indigenous beliefs and some of them of an aggressive uh, Catholic belief. And when he would go up there, they would do things that were, difficult, that were basically uh, hateful towards him. When enough believers had come to know Christ, they began to build a building that they would eventually uh, establish as a church in this community. As he would drive all back down the hill in the evenings to go back home, these folks of the community would go and literally knock down the walls that he was building each day. But because of his commitment to Christ, because of his understanding of God's grace over him and the need of this community to experience the gospel, 
he went back with a group of men, would build the wall, and they built a tent over this, uh, this, their foundations and would spend the night inside the tent to protect their work. Not only did they eventually uh, were able to finish building that church, that church became a training site of hosting pastors from all around the area. And when I was last with Felix, he told the pastors who were coming to the training, the training is for free, but if you want to continue to participate, you must bring the head of a young man with you. Attached to the young man, obviously. His point was that the, the, the need to continue to reproduce and reach out to young men and women uh, to continue to develop leadership and continue to advance the kingdom. Felix was a man of very strong character. When God created the man Felix, he put into him a man of great resolve, of strong character, uh, a very good leader, a man who thinks well and in an organized sort of way. When Felix put his life in Christ, God created in him for good works a man who would be a leader in a key community to continue to advance the gospel and preserve the teaching of God's word. He is God's workmanship, a leader, a man of wisdom, and a man of vision, whose life has been redeemed, whose life has been put into God's hand, and now there he is doing work there that continues to advance his kingdom. But you realize that Felix is not much different than each of us. God's given you gifts, and he's given you talents as well. He's given you abilities and put things into your life as well. You also are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works. What has God put into your life that you can give back to him in service? God made Felix a leader. What has God woven into your life when he, when he created you? Where has God placed you that you need to represent him more? God put Felix in this community, but where has God put you in your life and in your situation right now, so that you can represent him in ways. Not all of us were created to be bold leaders and build buildings and deal, and deal with persecution. Some of us were created with gentle servant hearts. But those gifts and those talents are just as necessary in God's kingdom as the man who's willing to stand in, in front of a community for the sake of the gospel. Each of us is created uniquely. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The second man I've met recently was a man named Fernando, Pastor Fernando. I met him in the Amazon jungle, and I want to tell his story as short as I can. When I met him, he was discouraged and a bit lonely, living in a very remote place. It's not easy for him to have fellowship with other church leaders and pastors. He was basically the only biblical presence in this whole community. There wasn't even a Catholic presence. So any spiritual issue that came up came to this pastor when I talked to him about normal pastoral things like outreach and visiting and uh, teaching in the church, he was very mediocre, very level five out of ten in his tone and in his talking about things. But in our conversation, the topic of Bible translation came up. And I was curious because a man who it took us five hours on an aquaplane to find in the middle of the jungle was very interested in this idea of Bible translation. Partly because he wanted to make sure that the truth of God's word was clearly communicated in the Quechua of the lowlands, a very specific language that his people speak. But I also found out that he was a part of a team who helped translate the New Testament into uh, Quechua of the lowlands. Then I was baffled. As I asked him questions about this, he lit up. He leaned forward. He was engaging and, and excited to talk about the urgent need to get the Old Testament translated into their language. I thought, I ask a pastor about normal pastoral things, and he seems withdrawn and quiet. When I bring up the very unique and difficult topic of Bible translation to a man in the middle of the jungle, he gets excited and leans forward. 
I spent the evening reflecting on this and thinking, what is going on? I realized that at some point in this man's life, when God created this man, even in his mother's womb, when God knit together Fernando, he gave him some sort of analytical and critical mind. Why he lives in Alianza Cristiana in the middle of Peru, I don't know. It's a part of God's plan. But there's no doubt in my mind that he created him with a different sort of mind than your normal pastor who lives in this type of setting. While we were there, we were able to coordinate him with Jairo and some others so that he could be a part of a team that will help continue to uh, ensure the translation of the Old Testament going forward. Why do I share this story with you? Because I think it fits so well with the second part of this passage. That we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Now, I don't know how God lined up Fernando's time there in that jungle, but I know this, and it's apparent to me, that when God put him together, when God created the mind of Pastor Fernando Chausa, his last name, uh, when God created this man, he created him in such a way that he looks at Scripture in a different sort of way. He wove and knit into this man's heart a conviction to preserve the truth of God's word, to ensure that it's not just in their language, but to make sure that when it is in their language, it communicates the truth that God intends for it to communicate to his people. He not only has a burden for the word, but a burden for his people. I realized that when God put him together, when God created him in Christ Jesus, the good works that he is there to do is to pastor, but may even have a more specific purpose of putting God's word and getting it into their language. I hope to see him again in June, and I hope to find out and get a great update on where he is in this translating project. I hope that he's able to share with me that how God has, has allowed him opportunities to participate and to be a part of this. It's so exciting to hear how God continues to work in people's lives, preparing them and opening them from beforehand through now and for the things that are in the future that God wants to accomplish through us. But you realize Fernando is not much different than each of us. My point, the point of this verse, God has created you also. He's knit you in a, a specific way. When God wove you together in your mother's womb, he put you to, together in such a way that you were created for good works in Christ Jesus. Look around you in this room right now. Look around you at the people that you sit next to. Some of you are sitting with your families and you're looking at them and saying, wow, you're right, I'm very different than this person beside me. Some of you are sitting by people you don't know very well and you realize that you are created very differently than the person beside you. When we read through Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, it describes the picture of the body of Christ all looking so different. But God did it on purpose so that we would work together as the body of Christ. So many times our differences in the way that we're created become points of conflict but God created each of us unique and different from beforehand for his good purpose. We each have a role and a purpose in, the way that, in, in his plan of, a, of sharing his gospel. So look around you. Not only will you recognize the differences of others, but you'll recognize how unique and special you are in the way that you were made. What unique gifts and talents did God give you to use for his glory? How did God make you unique and special in the way that he created you? I guarantee you, when you were born, God did not look down on that table and say, Oh no, I forgot to add the... He wasn't surprised at how you have come out. He was not surprised at the gifts that you have. When God created you and gave you the life that he have, he knit, he wove into you beforehand the plan that he has for you. That passage and that reference there also has a greater significance to God's greater plan. That beforehand... He knew his plan of redemption and that it would be to share the message of Jesus Christ. 
He knew beforehand that the message of Jesus Christ would be proclaimed by us. So none of us has excuse to not participate in some sort of way in sharing that kingdom. And he's fulfilled his plan by creating us each unique and different so that we can share his message. A third man that I met on one of these trips, I want to share with you to finish this verse 10 out. There's a young man named Mauricio. He's the one on the left there wearing the, with the guitar. He's a very quiet and shy man, a young man. He's about 20 years old. I met him in Sitanachi there in, in the state of Chihuahua in Mexico. Mauricio is uh, was about eight hours south of the border uh, of the U.S., uh, there south of War the city of Juarez. Uh, when I met him in my bold, arrogant Americanisms, I, we visited and I asked him, like I would any Mexican 20-year-old man who lives just south of our border, if he ever had plans to come to the States. And he looked at me and he shook his head sideways and he said, why? And I thought, wow, I really feel uh, odd now. And I, and I said, well, so many young men want to come. And he said, but I have everything I need right here. And as we talked, he began to share with me of his salvation experience, how he had lived in a different community than where I met him, and how missionaries had come and shared the gospel. And when he heard the gospel, it awakened in him a reality that he needed Jesus in his life. And he had already get, committed his life to learning music and the guitar and several other instruments that he was able to play. And he, he wanted to use that music ability, as he shared with me that in all of this conversation, Use his music and his music ability to go to other communities to share the gospel through music. I was blown away as he shared this with me. I realized that this is a young man who's been saved by God's grace. He's created by, uh, in Christ for good works. And he is ready to finish this job. The temptation of a country that we think of as the most, one of the most wealthy and comfortable places in, uh, uh, probably in, maybe in the world, and certainly in the eyes of so many young men who live in these desolate places who want to come to our country, was no distraction to what God had done in this young man's life. He looked at me like I was crazy when I asked him if he wanted to come because he saw the world and he saw reality through a better lens than I was thinking at that time. He saw the desperate spiritual need of people all around him to hear the gospel and to hear the message of Jesus Christ. He wanted to use the gospel. He started rattling off communities with names I couldn't understand and sure couldn't write down fast enough. But he had a burden for his people to reach them with the message of Jesus Christ where he was. This verse then, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. Mauricio was a tremendous example and reminder to me of what it is to continue to walk in the things that God has prepared us to do. We spend a lot of our lives in the States wondering, what did God create me for? What is the purpose of my life? Here was a young man in a very simple way who understood it better than maybe so many of us, that he should walk in them, the ways of God. What is that way of God? That way of God is simply to know him and to make him known. I hope to see Mauricio next week. I hope that he will be there uh, to, to be a part of what we've done. Not just a young man, not distracted by the things of the world, but a man who's been saved by grace and walking in the works that God prepared beforehand. When I was there in November, he was not able to participate because he was in one of the communities doing his own ministry. I hope that this time he understands the value of coming together for the sake of fellowship and to continue to learn to examine and, and to grow in Christ. You see, Mauricio is not much different than any of us. He's a man called by God, saved by God, doing the thing that God has prepared him to do. 
the common thread in all of these lives that we share and that connect with this passage so well, is that when they were saved by grace, it was not their own work. But they were created and crafted by God. They are His workmanship, saved by Jesus and created in Christ for good works so that they could walk in them in the same way that you and I have been saved and called to walk in the way of God. God is using these men in different places all around the world, and, and God wants to use you well as well. God also has a plan to use your life. Now, this is when so many people get nervous when a missionary comes and preaches at your church. Because when they get to this point of the service, you start thinking, oh, great, now he's going to try to talk me into going on one of these trips and eat fish for a whole week or beans for a whole week. And I'm going to leave convicted because I didn't do that. But I want you to realize one of the other common threads through each of these men's stories. The common thread through each of these men's stories is that as I ministered to them and as we shared God's word with them, their burden was to go back home. So I'm not here to necessarily call you to go on a long trip with me to a faraway place. Let God's Spirit do that in your heart. But I do hope that these men's stories help us all to realize that our own mission field is right under our noses, right next to where we live. Our mission field is right where we are. God has created us each in unique, different ways. But for each of us, there is a Jerusalem, whether it's a Tambo, Alianza, Chihuahua, or Salado. God wants to broaden our understanding of, of how he created us, whether it's to preach, to play music, to serve coffee, or to do whatever it is that he's prepared us to do. God wants us to think more great and broader about who he is, whether that's through going to, on, a, on a trip to, to, to advance his kingdom, praying for those who go, or giving to support the missionaries who God has called to be a part. You see, there's so many ways that this whole body of Christ will work together. There's so many different ways that you can be a part of this here locally in, the, in your town of Salado, across our state of Texas. And maybe, just maybe, God is calling you to be a part of something around the world. I don't want to be guilty of talking you into going with me on a trip. But if God's Spirit prompts that in you, then I would love to help you think that through. What that means and how to engage and what steps to take and, and how to see God's hand of leading. There's no greater tour guide and no greater travel agent than serving the Lord in missions. He allows you to go to some incredible places and does it in some incredible ways. But my hope is more than anything that as you reflect on this idea of being saved by God's grace, as you reflect on his mercy on your life, as you reflect on what it is to be created by him with a purpose, that you would find your journey of knowing him and making him known where you are. I'll be around after this service. Daniel's going to be here in the front in a little bit to lead us in a time of worship. I'll be around at the back of this if you would like to ask some questions about this, our ministry. As I said before, I have some newsletters if you'd like some more information. Daniel will be here in the front. But more than sharing information, more than anything, we will both be available to you if you want to talk about something that God's put on your heart this morning. You may want to make this church your home. You may want to surrender to God in some sort of way of, of taking a step, of, of honoring Him, of using your gifts. You may just simply want to use today to begin to reflect on your own life and begin evaluating what gifts you have. I started the service by sharing uh, that, that, that part of my personal testimony. And I would say this, that the more that we reflect on how God has made us each unique, the more available we can be to, you, to, to serve Him and to find security in the fact that He has made us in different ways and that He's equipped us and prepared us for opportunities that He'll set in front of us. As I said, I'll be in the back. I'll be happy to visit with you, to hear what God is doing in your heart now, to share more with you about how you can be engaged in ministry. Daniel will be here in the front. I want to pray for us now to conclude our time. 
And I thank you so much for this great opportunity to share with you from God's Word and to share with you these great stories of what He's doing around the world. Let's, uh, let's stand together and pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. I thank you that this is a church uh, that has, uh, this is a church that represents you in so many ways, preserving the truth of your word, advancing your kingdom through missions. Uh, Father, I thank you for the the leadership of this church uh, that have been through so many uh, challenging times that have drawn them closer to you. I thank you for giving them a pastor whose desire is to teach your word well and to guide this church to think broadly about you to think well about what it is to serve you. And I pray that you'd be with Jason as he's away. Uh, May this day be a time of refreshing and renewing as he comes back to serve you here and to serve this congregation. Father, I pray that you bring them home safely from their travels, he and all who are with him. I pray that they would uh, be ready and eager to challenge this body, to continue to grow in knowing you, making you know in Salado, in Texas, and around the world. Father, may the things we've done here today be things that honor you and bring glory to your name. Move in us, give us courage to respond to you boldly. We pray in Jesus' name.